So as you, as you see here, we're going to look at, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to read what we walked through last week on Romans 8.28. Uh, this is kind of going to be the culmination of rooted in gospel purpose. Uh, and what we'll do in following up, we're going to be rooted in freedom. How many of y'all sometimes don't feel like you're free in Christ? You, you feel like there's still some, some strongholds and some things that you need God to break, right? Um, and so I just want to, uh, we're going to, as we go through that, Galatians chapter 5, and we're going to go verse by verse. We're going to be diving into it. So I encourage you over the next month just to read through Galatians. Spend time in Galatians. And so you see context. You hear what's going on in chapter 5. And as we go through chapter 5, that's when we're going to be doing this. So we learn to be rooted in the hope of the gospel and learning to make wise decisions in order to learn how to pursue Christ's purpose. All right, does that make sense? And so I want to encourage us towards that end, because what we're going to do coming up is, as you're going to hear from the panelists, as we're diving into this time, is we're going to also go through uh, a time, like we're going to talk about a monthly class I'm going to be doing on Bible study methods. And so how are you studying your Bible? Do, you un- do we understand engaging the Word of God? Because that's one of the areas of the ways of wisdom that we talked about last week, but that we're going to break down in this book in Life Communities, all right? So we want to be beefy in the Word of God and its application. Amen? Y'all ready for that? We're called to go from milk to meat, so we can't stay on milk all the time. We got to learn to study the Word of God. That's going to be very influential for where we're going to be going as a church and decisions that you're going to need to be making in your life. All right? So let me read our our, our text by way of review here in Romans 8, 28 through 30. So let me just read it for you here, and then we'll review that. He says, Paul says, and, and, and mind you, in the context of chapter 8, I won't read it for time's sake, but I encourage you to read all of chapter 8. He's basically saying that we are free because of Jesus Christ's death and resu- resurrection, and the Holy Spirit is testifying concerning who we are in Christ, right? We're children. We're sons and daughters of Christ. And so, oh, oh go, go back there. Go back to, yeah, that's okay there. Um, <laughs> fancy, fancy. Y'all got excited on that. Hold up. We ain't there yet. <laughs> Thanks, Mom. So, but he's saying, but then he goes down and he says, look, here's the significant thing. He says, so he says, because we are children of God, we're free in the spirit. We're going to talk about this in Galatians 5. We're not obligated to give into the flesh anymore, right? We, we are free in Christ to pursue his purpose. So we've been talking about, uh, as we think about the purpose, he says, well, here's the thing. That even means suffering. You're going to go through some difficulties for representing Jesus, as Fatima was praying, right, about the concept of you'll, you'll be called by the Holy Spirit in Christ through the word of God to make some tough decisions that might put you in a tough predicament, right? And he says, so sometimes when you do that, you're going to go through sufferings, but watch this. This is the context. Then he goes down. He says, but here's the good thing about this. Not only are you going to be going through difficulties, but creation is groaning because creation's waiting for the day when God reveals the sons of God and the children of God, right? Creation's anticipating the fact that one day it won't, we won't have the futility of creation going on, right? And not only that, but the Holy Spirit's yearning in you saying, this is not it, there's something more that, I, I, that, that the Holy Spirit for a child of God says, this can't be it, right? And so he says, so in the midst of all that, but he says in verse 28, and we know this, in the midst of all the groanings and the suffering and the difficulties and the ups and downs of life, he says this, as we talked about last week, we know that all these things work together for the good Of those who love God, who are called according to what? His purpose. The minute he saved you, you're on the trajectory for his purpose. And this is the good of verse 29, as we talk about and talked about in life communities. He says, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. In other words, the good that he's saying is for us to be conformed to the image of Jesus, right? Jesus promises that the, what he says his ultimate purpose is for you, as we see in this, God's foundational purpose is to look more like Jesus. He'll use everything in life when it's filtered through Christ. He will use that. It's not wasted material. 
Your past is not wasted material. Your failures are not wasted material. Your present struggles are not wasted material. Your disappointments are not wasted material. Your missed expectations, are y'all gathering it? So here's the thing about this. This is not wasted. So he says, I'm going to use that to make you more like Jesus. Foundational purpose. Now today, here's where it gets interesting. God's foundational purpose is not for you to have an identity in your job. Right? His foundational purpose is to become more like Jesus because when you become more like Jesus, then you're in the avenue that Jesus has you to grow. When you're in the avenue that Jesus has you to grow, you start making decisions based on the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2, that he's given you. And so when you make decisions, as our panelists are going to talk about today, how are they working through the way of wisdom, as we talked about last week? What does it look like practically to become familiar with how this begins to get worked out in every area of our life? Okay, so today what we're going to, as we're going to dive in, we're going to look at what does this look like? And so I'm going to start with an illustration here. And we're going to ask these questions. Um, recently on, uh, on um, what's it called, uh, American Idol, one of the contestants was a garbage truck driver. He rode on the back of a garbage truck. Did y'all remember seeing this one? Anybody see this? All right, so he, he, they, they set his own background, you know, because it's dramatic, right? So they set the background, and it comes up. This dude, it rode on the back of a garbage truck in Mobile, Alabama. He comes to... to to do his audition, and he knows nothing about singing. He doesn't know his range. He's never done this professionally. He's never sang. He's like, I only sing when I'm up on the back of the garbage truck. And so, and so what happens is that the, the, uh, the judges, they say, hey, you know what? Go out with Ryan and warm up. He's like, what's that? Right? So he doesn't know what warming up is. So Ryan takes him out. He warms up for a second, teaches him what that is, takes him back in 15 minutes later, and this guy sings a song, has no clue what's going on with singing, but he sings a song and kills it. Here's the thing about it. In his killing it, though, there's a lot of unrefined parts because he has not been taught how to properly stay within his range and how to properly sing in a way that actually sees his potential and shepherds and guides him into living out his purpose in his voice. Make sense? Here's the thing with us. We have everything we need, based on 2 Peter chapter 1, we have everything we need pertaining to life and godliness. We're sitting on it. Here's the thing. In pursuing Christ's purpose, our job is to be in the context of discipleship so that we can begin to learn how do we express the purpose God has for us in Christ in a way that maximizes what God desires to do in your life and not what you think you need to do. Does that make sense? And so as we jump into these questions, I want you guys to engage this in an interactive time. We're going to walk through that. And Lord willing, if we have some time, think about questions. We're going to open it up to questions. We want today to be an application of trying to really work out what area, what does this look like? I sense that God is making me more like Christ. I don't fully understand it, but I want to fully live out what he has before me. And so we want to be a church plant that is growing from the basis of discipleship to say, you got raw talent because Jesus saved you. Now I need to help you walk from spiritual infancy to spiritual maturity. All right, makes sense? So let's go ahead and dive in here. Let's introduce our panelists real quick here. Look at that. Fancy, fancy. All right, so we're going to be engaging. <laughs> Pursuing Christ's purpose in different areas. So each panelist is going to go down and do like a 20-second intro about who they are uh, and, yeah, just simply who you are. And then that will kind of give a context from which you're going to be speaking uh, and interacting the questions today. So, Daniel, why don't you take it away? Cool. Uh, I'm Daniel. That picture is like five years old. That <laughs> I don't – yeah, that's just the only picture I have for my body networks. But, yeah, I'm a student. Um, in seminary, I'll be graduating soon. Uh, I'm trying to do the ministry thing, and so, yeah, that's me. Hi, my name is Marissa. I am a lawyer. I also work for Epiphany. Hi, I'm Mark. Um, I work in financial advisory services. 
and I'll also be speaking from a newlywed perspective. Uh, hi, I'm Brittany. I've been married for almost nine years, and I'm a full-time mom, but I'm also a full-time teacher, so I do both at the same time. Hi, my name is Riza. Um, I'm a full-time wife, a full-time mom, and a home, full-time homeschooler. So that's what I do. Yeah. Shout out. That's good. All right, so let's do this. Let's dive in here. So for our first question, what have you learned about pursuing Christ's purpose over the last year? We'll have a couple of y'all answer that. What have you learned about pursuing Christ's purpose over this last year? I guess I have the mic, so I'll go first. Um, so like I said, so I work um, full-time from home. I'm a teacher, so I work at an online high school with about 1,200 students. Um, and so I work from home, and the entire time I also watch my daughter, who I'm sure you've probably seen running around. Her name's Kara. She's two and a half, so she has a lot of energy and a lot of needs. Um, and so I think... Throughout this past year, a lot of it has been, like, my work has been really difficult because it's been, like, our, our teachers recently unionized because there were a lot of poor work conditions, so it's dealing with a lot of angry people a lot of the time um, and an environment that's not as creative as I would like it to be because it's all online and I don't get to see my students in person, uh, so you lose out on those connections. Um, so I feel like a lot of my work life has often been disappointing throughout the past year and has been challenging. And then at home, because I'm also trying to take care of my daughter, but I'm working full time, I feel like a lot of my mom duties are also really disappointing to me. Like I feel like a lot of the time I'm failing in many areas of life all at once because trying to juggle too many things. Um, and at the same time, trying to still be Christ's image and still show love to my colleagues, to my students, to my family, um, and, and be patient and caring with them. Um, so I think I, I, I've really felt throughout this, this um, what do you call it? It's not a unit. Throughout this series, <laughs> I've been touched with the fact that, like, my life often doesn't feel very fulfilling or very exciting throughout the day-to-day. -day. Um, and that a I think a lot of the American, even Christian American dream is that your life should be fulfilling if you're doing what Christ wants you to be doing. Um, and I think it's just learning that Christ's purpose isn't to make my life great, but to make himself great in my life. And just trying to, to see how no matter what difficulties are going on, Christ can still breathe into that and still bring life into that. Um, and I think a lot of it has also been just like becoming more aware of like my shortcomings and having to give up control as I've realized that I'm really bad at a lot of this, but Christ can give me strength and I can rely on him um, throughout all of these, these struggles. Um, for me, as it relates to last year, I think what I realized had less to do with any specific role that I do and more in a general sense, I think I realized that God's purpose in making me like his son almost always goes against my own plans to avoid pain. Um, and so I tend to strategize my obedience around avoiding pain. And on the outside, it looks like I'm trusting him, but on the inside, I'm like bracing myself against whatever God has planned. Um, so that means that I don't fully um, let him into my pain, um, which relates to any area of life and whatever role it is that I'm in in that season. But um, I also realize that he's not the author of my pain. And when you get God's character wrong, you get everything wrong. And so because I was thinking of him incorrectly, I wasn't really going to him in my pain. And pain includes like discomfort in, you know, whatever job it is or whatever role you're in. So even in those things and like the day to day, um, I would be doing the things, but I wouldn't be like fully giving him um, where I was at. Um, so, yeah, so I learned that he's not the author of my pain and also that he's strong enough to deal with me in my pain. That's good. Uh, I think for me, uh, the last year and kind of 
my entire intentional Christian walk, I've been realizing uh, that God's purpose for me is way bigger and more beautiful and magnificent and awesome than I had imagined. Uh, but it's also way more difficult and painful and uncomfortable. And it's like a weird kind of tension that I feel um, as like he's kind of showing me like, hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm moving you towards. It's like, oh, yo, God, that's so awesome. That's so cool. And then like stuff happens. And I'm like, oh, God, I don't, I don't know if I'm down for this. Like, this is, this is not for me. Like, get me back on that other track. But it's like the thing that I'm doing, all the, the discomfort and stuff that you were talking about, that's all part of this being shaped for, uh, for my purpose. And it's part of the whole like conforming to the image of Jesus. Like, that's what difficulty does. Um, maybe more so in my life than like just easy times for me. And so that's the, that's the big thing. Like the last year um, with school, uh, with the, yeah, the place I go to is predominantly white, uh, which is difficult for me uh, in a lot of ways. And so just like every single day in class, like, oh man, this is hard, this is hard. But what does it look like for me to be faithful here in this place? Um, and kind of committing to following Jesus in whatever context I'm in that has, that, that involves difficulty, but I believe that that's what he wants for me. That's what we would have that's what he would have me do. Um, so difficult, but way more beautiful and uh, life-giving at the same time. Yeah, that's good. That's good. It's interesting that there's almost, almost this underlying fabric that you guys, the three year are mentioning is um, it involves difficulty, right? Pursuing Christ's purpose is really, as we think about it, the foundation is that God is pursuing us in Christ to change us and to transform us. And the beautiful thing about that is it's uncomfortable. Y'all are like, that's an oxymoron, the beauty, the beauty of uncomfortable living, <laughs> right? But I think that's the foundation of a gospel-centered understanding of pursuing Christ's purpose. I need to first realize that his purpose is to pursue me, which is, I love, Brittany, as you were saying, just this image of, like, it seems even in the mundane, in the both Marissa and Daniel was talking about, in the difficult areas of life, God, I can't see how this is part of your purpose, but if we remember that God's purpose is going after you in Christ to conform you, then all of a sudden it brings purpose to the, the seemingly mundane stuff. The stuff that you're like, I don't understand how this works to any purpose that I would want to do. <laughs> right? So thank you for sharing on that. I think that's a, good, that's a good highlight for us as we are pursuing Christ's purpose, knowing that when you jump on that journey as a disciple, Jesus is coming after you hard to make you like himself because that's going to be the fullness of joy for you. Right, and that's gonna that's gonna reflect his glory. All right, so let's go on a second question here. Um, what does it look like to practically pursue Christ's purpose in this season of your life? What does it look like to practically pursue Christ's purpose in this particular season of your life? Um, so I sort of prepared something for a little bit, so I'll go ahead and just kind of read it and then maybe just kind of talk a couple of things. So um, this is what I wrote. I put, by God's grace, I hope to stay on the course and in the places where God graciously gave me to steward. Um, currently, I need to remember that I'm his daughter first, um, a wife to my husband and a minister to my family through motherhood. Um, I'm also a teacher to my children and to the many of other children, you know, from the moms who has continually affirmed me in my gift of teaching in, my, in this season of my life. Um, so I continue to learn uh, to pursue Christ's purpose by going to him in prayer because I am a very needy person. Um, I feel like I need him all the time. <laughs> and sometimes I feel like, oh my gosh, Lord, will I stop being needy? Well, no. <laughs> um, and so... I've learned that a lot within this past year that I always need to pursue him in prayer. And I mean prayer, like we lose our keys all the time. And so we, I always ask, Lord, help me find my keys. Help us find our keys. Help us find little things. And sure enough, God is very, um, very faithful to help me find little things. Or sometimes, you know, I feel like I love my children. No, no, no. God loves my children a lot more than I do. Um, and, and I'll just give you an example. Like, uh, I think for bedtime, Josiah was really worried that he couldn't find his, um, I think his phone or his, his um, like eye mask or his head bandana. He, he likes to go with it, you know, to go to sleep with it in the night. And I said, 
we'll just figure it out tomorrow morning. And then I just asked for a prayer, right? Literally seconds before I found it, I said, Lord, please help my son find his bandana. And sure enough, two seconds later, I found his bandana. And I would remind him, Jesus loves you, Josiah, because here you go, here's your bandana. Um, and so little things like that, that really account and that really build up that, you know, Christ's purpose is real in every season of our lives, in, in my life especially, um, and uh, also by trusting him, by remembering his, what his word says, and I do not do it perfectly. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, I don't do it perfectly, and I, and I am so thankful that God is patient with me in the midst of all the day in, the day out, the daily routine, um, and I feel like I still have a lot to learn when it comes to dealing with my own fo fallen nature. Um, and it's and even though I know that it's good to remember that, you know, I need to go to God in prayer. I need to do this. Um, I am so thankful that my relationship with Him does not depend on my circumstances, um, whether it's a joyful and abundant circumstance or whether the circumstance is sadness and scarcity. Mm -hmm. So I am thankful for that. Uh, if I distill my, my current season down, it's two things. Uh, one is that we're in my first year of marriage, and actually, technically, today is our anniversary. So, Yo! shout Happy out to anniversary, my wife. Happy anniversary, Doug. Wow. So, in our second year of marriage, well, we got married about four hours from now, a year ago. So, first year of marriage, I guess. Hey, that's points right there. He remember yeah. the time, too. <laughs> Woo! Don't forget that, Doc. Uh, so that's going on, and then uh, work. And I work in financial advisory services. Um, it's very high stress, very demanding, and can be pretty toxic at times. Uh, I've learned when you have high quantities of money that are in, involved, the heart of man shows itself really quick, and greed and pride and, and stubbornness comes out, myself included, but um, working in a, a workplace that fosters a lot of that has been hard. So. Um, what does it look like to pursue Christ's purpose in this season? I'll start with work. Um, I fell into this career uh, maybe two and a half, three years ago, and God's purpose is always talked about in such a grand scale of what's God going to do 30 years down the line. I don't know what this job really contributes to that, uh, so it, it has really helped me the past year or so as I process through this. Even though I don't see a future in 30 years being in financial services, how can I use this time, how can I use this career, how can I use this workplace and these interactions with coworkers to become more Christ-like? Mm -hmm. And so as I'm watching these scenarios where coworkers are yelling and fighting and defenses are coming up, um, I have an opportunity, instead of going to my default the way I was raised of, I'm gonna sh shut my door and mind my own business mm -hmm. and not get involved in that, how can I step in and become a peacemaker? How can I step in and help to foster harmony and peace? And I talk about Christ a lot with my coworkers, um, but how can I also model that in the way that I interact and love them and uh, work alongside them? Just this week, uh, I, I made a mistake and I, I made some assumptions that someone didn't fulfill their side of the, the task when they were working. And as opposed to their history at this company where they've been the, the blame's been forced on them. I actually approached them and apologized and confessed like, oh, I'm sorry, I, I um, assumed that you did not do this and that was wrong of me. And watching them, or I guess it was on the phone technically, but hearing them uh, receive that, it actually fostered such a, a deep communication and appreciation for one another uh, that they hadn't really experienced at their time in the company or maybe in a professional workplace. So it, in seeing those tiny little scenarios where I'm going to not default to my, the grooves of my soul, which is I'm just going to check out, close my door, not get involved, um, even when I'm a part of the problem. How can I press into that uncomfortability, and how can I learn to grow to be more like Jesus and uh, press against that, that self, selfishness, I guess, of, of defaulting out? And then when it comes to marriage, um, the grander scale of becoming more like Jesus has been a really helpful uh, guiding post for, at least from my perspective in our marriage. As we set this foundation, I understand it's not like you have a foundation after a year and you keep going. You, you keep setting that foundation over and over within marriage. Uh, but it gives me a, a litmus test of when we have conflict or a scenario, it, it gives me the opportunity to say, how did I react in that moment and did it reflect 
Christ? Did I, again, want to bail out from the conversation or from the room when we were talking? Um, or uh, why did I react that way? Why did I become defensive? Why did I push against her in that way? Um, so in terms of marriage, uh, it's the most important ministry of my life. Again, people look at our words or they hear our words and then they look at our actions and to see if they line up. And so from a marriage standpoint, it's just offered us uh, a beautiful opportunity to, again, dissect those small circumstances as we set this foundation because it, it is a long-term trajectory uh, thing and putting the effort in now, I think, will we'll reap much in the future. So uh, that's it. You got some ready? All right. You want me to? Okay. Um, so in, in terms of like practically pursuing Christ, I think very similarly, my, my default reaction to difficult times is isolation and wanting to remove myself from community, from situations, and just shut down and go watch Netflix and ignore the world. Yeah, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Um, and so I think it's been really challenging me this past year, especially with the like you belong here message over the summer of like, I don't feel like I've ever had a sense of really belonging anywhere um, just because my default is I would prefer to not have to have relationships and to not have to have meaningful um, connections with other people because it's so difficult, right? It's just so much easier. It, Initially, right, it's so much easier to just be by yourself and to just only deal with yourself and to be selfish in that way, but it always backfires, right, because then you don't have the support of your Christian brothers and sisters, and it can lead to really difficult times of, like, depression that I've experienced throughout the last year. Um, and so it's just been really challenging me to, like, the practical thing that I need to do is, like, to intentionally be in community and to reach out to that even when I don't want to. Mm. Um, so Christ, Christ doesn't just call us to commune with him, but to also commune with our brothers and sisters. Again, also because we have so many blind spots. And again, this last year I've been recognizing those blind spots through people that have, that have pointed them out to me. <laughs> like Marissa is really good at that. <laughs> so, Go ahead. Yeah, when you're, when you're by yourself, it's just so much easier to just ignore the stuff that you should be working on. Um, and so, yeah, so along with being in prayer and, and trying to be in Bible study more, I think one of the big things is just to, to reach out um, to each other more. All right, we'll go to three. You guys want to grab three, right? Daniel, Marissa. Cool. Let me let me let me summarize this, and we'll go on three because I know I think you guys have three too. Um, yeah, there's a comment. The thing that I think in there, just kind of to think through uh, reflection on that, is kind of two things. One is maximize the moment, uh, as well as um, in community. If I can attach that on for Brittany, what you were sharing. Um, is, and that's been an interesting thing is like at different panels that we've had, it's been God has is, is been pushing us away from isolation into community, right? Like, and that's, that's probably honestly one of the most difficult things. Brittany, you said so well. It's one of the most difficult things in following Jesus because we have so much stuff in our past and in our present that would make it towards like, can I trust can I go here with this person? And as Marissa said, um, as a result, the relationships we have here shape the character we understand God to be. And if we get this wrong, it impacts this. If we get who he is wrong, then we justify how we do our life based on our understanding of who he is. Right? That's why pursuing Christ's purpose has to start with Jesus initiating the gospel to work in us to remaster our understanding of who he is, because then we can begin to say, oh, that's why John says in 1 John, if you don't love the brothers, you won't love Jesus. Does that make sense? Like, because it's, it's a, it is a supernatural thing to work through the areas of hurt and pain and brokenness and then say, man, you know what? To pursue Christ's purpose cannot be done in isolation. And, and as you guys are bringing out, that is such a, it's a call to discipleship. Die daily, let Jesus heal us in the context of community. That's hard. How many of y'all have a hard time with that? Yeah? I hear you. 
And so I think that's good. It's this is why we have these to say you're not alone. This is a normal, this is a part where we, part of taking off the mask as a church plant to get mobilized and grow and develop is to say, let's have some real talk, not only in life communities, but let's have these times when we're becoming more familiar in our lives for what this stuff looks like. Does that make sense? And so maximize the moment where you are because it's not wasted material. It's not a wasted context in light of the sovereign will of our great king. Right? So maximize that moment and then maximize it in community. I just want to read this passage as we get ready for three. In Ephesians 5, we might ask, well, what does this look like? Why? Like, that's, that's nice, but let me give you some Bible behind it. He says in, in Ephesians 5, he's basically saying a woke church is a church that realizes what things are not consistent with the gospel and exposes them. Right? That makes sense? That's what the church is called to be. That's the context of what I'm about to read to you. Then in chapter 5 of Ephesians, verse 15, he says, Pay careful attention then to how you live, not as unwise people, but as wise. Remember the way of wisdom in decision making. And then he says, verse 16, making the most of the time. Some translations say redeeming the time. Make the most of the time where you are. And the things that you see where you are, how do you make the most of that time based on what God is trying to do in your life? Because if we neglect what God is trying to do in our life in that particular situation, we actually could miss out on the outworking of God's purpose for you in that particular season. Does that make sense? And so we can short circuit God's spiritual formation of him showing off his glory to people around you. So it's the little things of, you know what? I'm going to humble myself and say I was wrong in doing that, right? I mean, that's a huge, that's a, that, is that a hard thing for you at work sometimes? Especially when that person gets on your last nerve. And you know if you humble yourself, they're going to use that against you, all right? That's the kind of situations that Jesus is calling us into that. And, and let, let, me, let, me, let me put this up here too. Like when you confess your sin, you cease to try to justify your mistake and you let Jesus be your justification. As what Psalm 51 says, right? I confess my sin and I declared in the confession of my sin, acknowledging I was wrong, you're right. I declare that you're just. That the, the thing you exposed to be wrong that I participated in is actually wrong and you're just to say it's wrong. And I'm declaring that I'm not trying to justify myself for my stuff I made, but I'm resting in Jesus' justifying grace to forgive me so I can honestly confess knowing that that doesn't keep or gain my identity. Jesus gains my identity. Does that make sense? These are important gospel truths when you're in your everyday life and you're like, I just don't want to do this. And Jesus calls us back into this. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, so he says, because he says, make the most of the time. Why? Because the days are evil and people need to see light. They need to see light. They need to see light. So in verse 7, he says, so don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see that? This is why we're going through this. And what we're going to dive and just do something is we need to understand what the Lord's will is and the way of wisdom to help us make those decisions when we're in their situations. Does that make sense? So that's part of what we're doing in discipleship, okay, as a community. So with that, maximize the moment, press into community, let Jesus be your justifying grace. Don't have to hide anything. All right, last question here, number three. What are you learning that is very important in thinking through this process? What kind of stuff are you learning that is important to think through this process? Um, okay. So moving here, I had a lot of plans and a lot of thoughts about how my life is going to go. Because um, I moved right after I graduated law school, so in my mind, we were about to work at a firm, we were about to live our lives, we were about to make money. None of that happened um, for a long time. The only doors that God was opening was the ability to just work for myself, which is great, but also comes with a lot of other struggles um, and was not really the plan right now. Um, but what that also did is it enabled me to also at the same time work for Epiphany and serve Epiphany in the way that I'm able to serve now. Um, and so in hindsight, obviously, like I see that was the plan, but 
Um, one thing that I've learned is important is that God's not impressed by my ability to figure it out. He's not impressed by my maturity. Um, and he wants the vulnerable, vulnerable me. Um, and God helped me realize my dad, he always calls me little girl. He's called me that for my whole life and he still calls me that. But that's the version of me that God wants. He doesn't want the woman who has it all together. He wants the little girl who gets her feelings hurt, the little girl who really tells him how she really feels and needs him. Um, so that that's really important for me and walking in my purpose is I don't need to Mark's point about like, I don't know how long I'm going to be doing what I'm doing. I don't know, you know, what God has planned, but I don't need to know. Um, and I just need to take one step at a time. So that's important. I think two things, what's the question? What are you learning that's very important? Yeah, two things are very important that I found. Um, the first one is kind of recognizing that being conformed to the image of Jesus means every single aspect of my life is going to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And so all of the kind of identity markers that make up who I am, so like personality, being a man, being biracial, all these different things, it's like that God cares about that. And so I think that's part of the reason why it's so difficult. It's not just like, Lord, what should I do with my job? It's like, yeah, that's, that's one small piece, but you got all these other things that are true about you, and I want all those other things, too, to look like my son. Um, and so trusting in that, um, when, uh, just going back to the school example, when I feel <laughs> my non-whiteness a lot at school, it's like that is an aspect of myself that God wants to conform to the image of Jesus. Um, or like, what does it look like to be a man? How do we like serve people with all this stuff? Like, that's what it looks like, or that's an area that God wants to use uh, to conform me. And so trusting in that process, trusting that and all of these like new things that I'm becoming aware of, um, what does it look like to um, kind of die to yourself in all of these different areas um, as I'm growing? And the second thing is kind of connected to that is I, <laughs> I need community. I feel like that's, everybody said that, but that was one of the things I wrote down. Um, I need, 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 need uh, people because I don't think the whole Christian life thing is like an individual sport because uh, like we were talking about, like I could be doing my thing. If no one's around me to like clap back or correct me or whatever, it's like I'm gonna just keep going off in my poor direction. And so I need people to encourage me, correct me, rebuke me if necessary. Um, and so, yeah, that's just been the two big things that I've, that I've found like God wants to change every single aspect about me. Um, and one of the like biggest means that he, he does that through is community, is people who know me well, who are able to speak into my life meaningfully, who are able um, to kind of understand patterns or, or see things or in close proximity to me so that when I'm tripping, they can call me out um, and yeah, kind of like course correct as we're kind of walking on this journey. I'll follow up on that. I mean, it sounds like community is the answer from everyone. Uh, Although we acknowledge it in word, it's often in practice, uh, the thing I neglect the most. Um, but when I first came to Christ, it, it was a very individualistic pursuit of faith. Uh, church became, I, I treated church like a, um, an electric car charging station. I don't have an electric car, but I assume you drive up, you plug it in, and then you leave. Um, and so I, I would go to a church, and I would plug into the pastor of the sermon, get my fill for the week, and then I'd go back to my life, and I would go till I was about empty and then return the next week. Uh, but it's really in the, in the recent history of my Christian life, the past five, four or five years, where um, I've seen the beauty of the church body and how um, there's an invitation to participate and invite others back into your life. And that is so vital to uh, becoming more like Christ because I'm a very independent person and I was, I was raised that way. I can get in my own lane and just go for it, kind of like what he was saying. Uh, but the invitation to invite others into my life uh, gives them the opportunity to know me, to know my sin, to know uh, my tendencies to want to hide or run away or neglect, whatever it may be. Uh, but they can also affirm uh, the things that are going well, and uh, they can see God's glory in my life in ways that I probably can't, and they can recognize that and affirm that. Um, so community is just so vital, and I, I started out by saying it's what I say is say is the most vital, but I often don't live it out. Uh, 
and I think I see a, like a lot of nodding heads to that. Um, we say it's important, but it's just so hard to live that out because it takes time, especially in the city when I hear men's group is on Western, I gotta drive like an hour to get there, that, that I don't wanna go, right? But um, it takes a commitment, it takes sacrifice, and it's always, it's always worth it. I, I rarely leave like a situation like that where there's opportunity to invest and invite in um, disappointed, so. So again, I'm gonna read just a couple of snippets and then I'll just kind of go off of that. Um, I think uh, with this process, um, I'm definitely learning that um, knowing God's purpose or loving God is not like a, it's done, let's move on. It's not a done deal, let's move on scenario. Um, and really like just within the recent weeks and even up till now, I feel like I'm still learning that part of really loving or knowing and loving God is really, um, and I still don't like this word, is obedience to his word, um, and to actually do what he says. Uh, and that's, and in Philippians 4, it really does talk about that because within this past year, year and a half, I hung on to Philippians 4 with my dear life. And in Philippians 4, it talks about, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. And it talks about, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to God and community, okay? Uh, and I say that because I think within this past uh, year and a half, um, our family has gone through a lot of just transitions from, uh, you know, from church, from a different church location to um, different city and all of that. These transitions are good, and um, I, I really don't like change very much, but I'm so glad that, you know, God is able to um, to take those changes and to, that he is our stability. He's my stability. Um, and kind of going off of what everybody is saying, um, yeah, I mean, I, I strive to practice, you know, what God says and community, and and even reaching out is a struggle for me. Um, reaching out and, uh, you know, say, hey, you want to have dinner or whatever. Um, maybe on the outside, um, it doesn't look like it, it's a struggle, but it is. It's almost like it takes me, like it takes a little bit more of an effort. Um, but at the same time, it's good because that's how God is working, um, in, at least in my heart, and, and that's what he says. It says, let your reasonableness be made known to everyone. Now, I'm not going to tell off everybody what's going on with my life, um, but it's certainly good to know that the church, um, you know, is a, is a place where we can share our reasonableness, whatever that may be, wherever we are, um, you know, from having a really, you know, bad day because somebody cut us off on the freeway or just, um, you know, or even good days where God is blessing or seeing, uh, seeing just that, uh, the grace that's poured in, um, where when you know recently, as some a lot of you know, my husband just got a job, uh, and we're so thankful for that. Um, and I also remembered before that, Lord, you know, I we need you, <laughs> you know, and and we let you know we let our neediness be made known to God and also through our church. So um, it's definitely a daily struggle. The the struggle is real, but also our God is real, and. Um, God trumps over all, so that's, that's okay. Anybody else? Well, let's, let's take a few minutes here. Um, I want to open it up, just some interactive questions. If you guys have questions or reflections on this, I want to open it up today. So any thoughts or questions as you work through this? Often, <laughs> very often, uh, one of my friends, he, not that he does have the faith that he wants, but I, I don't know, he, the way that he can be comforted by just, well, God just says it and he believes it. And that like brings true, like comfort. And I'm like, oh man, dude, like that's dope. I'm over here like, oh Lord, like, what are you doing? I like doubt and all that stuff. And so I think 
I don't know if I'm at a point where it's okay, I'll, or I'll ever get to a point where it's like, okay, now I have the, the right amount of faith that I want. I think um, that's going to be a continual thing, but God isn't just like sitting off like, I'm going to just wait for you to get your faith. Like he's with me in the midst of that doubt and he's doing something um, like through that. And it kind of creates a, a type of trust. Um, at least for me, it has um, almost like a developing like a stubborn faith, like, Lord, I know I don't really feel this right now, but like <laughs> there's nothing else. And so you, you got to come through. And I think in that got to come throughness. Uh, God is working on like transforming my mind, heart, all that stuff. And so um, it's difficult. Um, honestly, it's hard. And I feel like, oh, you, you go to seminary, you should be with the most faith. But it's like, it's not, that's just not how it is for me. But I think being honest about that with all of y'all now, um, but and God, like he, he's aware, he knows, and he wants to kind of meet me in that place of doubt and in that place of uncertainty. Um, yes, 100%. Um, whenever I, I read the Bible, I, I realize how agriculturally minded it is. So like Israel, they're talking about vineyards and they're talking about vines and trees. And being a city boy, I, I mean, I can read about vineyards and vines and trees, but there's only so much I can understand from that. But I see this like conversation of cycles and agriculture is like very cyclical and there's seasons and it often talks about seasons of faith and life. Um, and so I, I can at least draw that much from it. Um, and so absolutely there's seasons that I go through where my faith is so much smaller than where I want it to be at or the doubt overtakes that faith. Um, and the question is if, if you know, we're looking at like a circle, how do I get back to that really passionate, excited, faithful time. And um, I've found that practicing consistently spiritually, spiritual disciplines, um, almost as if like, if I can use the analogy of I, I wanna be in shape, I'm just gonna work out consistently. And even when it's hard and I don't wanna get out of bed, that rhythm just helps me to stay in tune with it. And so when I say spiritual disciplines, I'm talking about faithfully praying and faithfully inviting people, again, bring up community, inviting into my life, reading scripture, um, practicing different types of prayer with people. Like I have a standing prayer call uh, with a few people here in the church. And one of them, it's like 6 a.m. and it's, it's horrible. I wake up at 5.57 for a call. And there's times where I wake up and I'm really excited because I'm in a, I'm in a really good season. And there's other times where it's 5.59 and 59 <laughs> milliseconds or whatever it is. And, but, but that helps me to feel um, and, well, not feel, but even when I don't feel the Lord's presence uh, is as attunely or as actively as I do in other seasons, um, practicing stuff like that just reminds me of that faith and brings, for example, a brother close that may be in a different season and can support me uh, in that way. So you didn't really ask that part of the question, but I figured I'd bring it up. <laughs> I just wanted to add one thing to that, too. Um, I think it also is helpful to examine what what is your faith in? Like, do I have faith that God is going to help me make sure I don't lose my job? Or do I have faith that he's going to keep me no matter what? You know, and I think if your faith is rooted in the wrong place, it's always going to be shaky. But if it's rooted in him going back to his character, then it will sustain you. That's good. See, you, that, that's what I was writing down. All right, you just hit, like, because in, in Hebrews 11, remember it says, I think you're in such common. How many of y'all have prayed this prayer? Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. All right, like that's like almost every, that's like almost every moment for me at different junctures of life, right? So yes, and it makes so much sense. And I think the thing what Marissa was saying is Hebrews 11 says that faith is the what? Assurance of things hoped for, right? The conviction of things unseen. Oftentimes our hope, because we're still working through what does it look like to have a hope in Christ, there are things that God won't do so that he begins to refine our hope. Because hope is refined in suffering, difficulties, disappointments, despair. Right? It's what Paul is reflecting on as he gets beaten and tortured for the gospel and goes through difficulties, thorns of the flesh, all this kind of stuff. So God is about refining our hope because then it redirects, and it redirects our trust from Jesus plus this to Jesus. 
and all that he's going to do in the gospel, all that he's done in the gospel, right? So I think that's such a, it's a that's a, like a thing of struggle for all of us. Another way is it all looks different for each of us, right? So it's like, Eric, it's, it's, you're going to do it, you're going to struggle with it different than I am, right? And so Jesus goes in John 11, he goes, when Mary and Martha are grieving the loss of Lazarus, Lazarus, he goes to Martha and he reasons with Martha because that's how, what, that's how she was grieving. He didn't reason with Mary, he wept with Mary, and in the midst of it, he knew he's gonna, what he was going to do to resurrect Lazarus from the dead, but he entered into the struggle and the pain and the hurt and the hope deferred that, God, what does this look like? And he's refining to say, Lazar- uh, uh, Martha, I am the resurrection. Right? He, she was trying to attach resurrection to something independent of Jesus. I know it's going to happen on the last day. Says, no, 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 I'm the resurrection. So you see, it's, it's lamenting, and so he enters into the lament because he's saying, I, I need to, through the lament, I'm going to help redirect your trust so that the faith in a mustard seed is not about faith in your ability to have faith. It's faith in the ability of God. So you can have the smallest amount of faith in the right object, and God will do great things. So I think that's a, that's a, really, that's a really good question. I think it, all of us probably struggle with that. So thank you for asking that, Erica. Um, it was Erica, right? Okay, I want to make sure I was right on that. Okay, did you want to add on to that or is it something different? Qu- is it a separate qu- question? Okay, uh, let's do Did you, ha- hi, didn't you have a question? Oh, you were pointing to Andrew. Oh, okay. That looked like it was a high point over there. Sorry. <laughs> Um, so I kind of talked about this at women's group, but I think we have a lot of opportunities at church to be around people. But one thing that's hard for me is to be vulnerable, kind of like how I talked about. So practically, one of the things for me that I've had to do is to let people in. And it's not just about being in the space. It's about like actually letting people in. And I think practically it's like assessing, okay, who has God put me around who, like, and prayerfully being like, God, who can I open up to? And I think, like, creating those places of intimacy is what we really need. We, re- we don't just need to be around people. We need actual community, and that involves um, letting go of something. Um, and so I think for me, it's, it's really been a – I can be in all the spaces. I can go to women's group every month, but am I really – like letting my walls down and letting someone in to really benefit from that community and, and having them benefit too. Um, but for me, like, am I doing that in obedience or am I not doing that out of fear? Yeah, I'll also speak a little bit to women's group because we were going here for about six months before I ever went to my first women's group. Um, and I think a lot of that was not because I was like, actively resisting going to women's group. It was mostly that I was just inattentive and not prioritizing it. Um, And so I had to eventually go into my Google Calendar and schedule church and women's group and life community and all the other events just so that it would actually be a priority in my life instead of getting to 5:45 and being like, "Oh, women's group starts. I need to go. I'm not going to go because I am <laughs> not mentally or physically or at all prepared to go right now." Um, and so that's just in speaking of like practical action steps is how are we arranging our lives to have these spaces be th- like a big priority as opposed to work being our entire calendar and then just throwing in church wherever we have empty spots. Yeah, this will be quick. Um, I remember the first maybe like month and a half, two months I was here, uh, I would like sit out in my car, like right at the parking lot. And I'm like, oh my goodness, Lord, there's going to be all these new people. I hate meeting new people. It's scary. Like the whole like introvertness like just comes out and it's like, you know what, bro, I, gotta, I just got to do it. And so I think like just being available and like intentionally trying to connect with people um, 
because even like after church, it's like I can feel myself like, oh, I'm just going to dip out. And I did that the first two months I was here. Like, y'all, <laughs> I was just gone. Unless Tommy talked to me, I was gone. <laughs> and <laughs> it's like, nah, man, like that's not how you build this whole community thing that you talk about. That's not how you develop meaningful relationships. And so it's like, I'm going to try and have an awkward conversation with somebody. I'm sorry, this is terrible, but I need you. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, just like, like being here and like showing up and like trying to be involved um, like with life communities now with um, just helping out with different stuff. And so honestly, like showing up for me was like a huge, huge part of it and then not dipping out early and trying to connect with people. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Um, just in terms of practically how to connect with community, I think right now um, I can resonate with all of them uh, in terms of even clearing out schedules. Um, and even in the city where we live now, I mean, we live here in LA, we live in Watts. So, you know, I'm trying and, you know, as, and I feel like right now, even with my schedule, I feel like I'm, all, I'm still all over the place. I thought, oh, okay, well, maybe if I do these activities, you know, with the kids, because I haul them everywhere, um, you know, with the act different school activities and things, um, I thought it would be easier to do the community. But it's still a struggle, and I still struggle with that. And right now, I'm actually um, processing it right now, like how to make it closer here like here in Epiphany. And um, definitely when, you know, when one of them said, yeah, it's to be intentional, I think Brittany said that, to be intentional, um, it's very much so that I continue to desire that, to be intentional to, you know, to go to the life communities and even to the women's group, which, you know, sadly I have not gone because, you know, again, of my schedule. And I'm trying to figure that out uh, currently right now. Okay, the struggle right now is my, it is my schedule. You know, how do I reel that in um, because, you know, um, community is a big part of what God says, uh, to be in community with others, to do what he says, but also to be in community with others. So, um, so yeah, I mean, for me, I definitely, you know, try to connect with folks like with dinners or, you know, with play dates, you know, with on Saturday mornings, if, we, if, if that's even, if that's when that's possible. So I think for me right now, it's definitely the schedule um, again, uh, but also, I just have to make it a point. Okay, so on this day, we're just going to have dinner, right? You know, right after Sunday, right after church, um, or you know, or different things uh, that hopefully that will allow me to schedule. But yeah, definitely my schedule. I think for me is a struggle, and I'm praying that God will somehow um, uh, be gracious to to me and my family so that we can be more in community here. So I'll go quick if I have a minute. Um, following up on Marissa's point. It's really easy for me to come to a church, although we're not that big, but come to a church of this size and have surface level conversations and then leave and convince myself that I'm invested in, in church and community. Uh, and I, I came from a much larger church, a couple thousand before this, and it was even easier to skate kind of under the, I don't know what we're looking for here, but uh, under the radar, there we go. Fly under the radar. Uh, not really be pinned down to have those intentional conversations and invite people in. Uh, but I was there enough and people could say, oh yeah, I've seen him for the past four weeks here, so he's involved. Um, and so for me, to answer your, your question, Andrew, um, it's been communicating with two men here and we've identified we want to root here, we want to be invested in this community, so let's continually follow up with one another uh, because there's moments or there's cycles or seasons in my life where I don't have the energy to cry out to God, let alone to text the person and, and ask for them to check in or pray or whatever it may be. And so having just a continual rhythm of let's connect every week or let's connect every other week. Um, and that way I know I'm going to talk to you on this Wednesday, whether or not I want to, uh, <laughs> you're going to be there. And then like, again, the, the test you asked, like, how do you know when you're an individualistic uh, mindset? If I don't know how to pray for those two men, then I probably haven't invested in them in a while. Um, and so that's also been like a really good litmus test for my individualistic, selfish tendencies. That's really good. All right. Well, let's give it up for the panel. Why don't you guys, uh, thank you. You can stay up here. We'll do communion together. Um, I think uh, a final reflection on that. As we go about <clears throat> this year of being rooted in the hope of the gospel, we, it, it, the biggest thing is doing it together right? Like as a church plant that is forming culture and DNA of discipleship, uh, we had to reframe a lot of our understanding of what it means to follow Jesus, right? And, and Mark, I think you highlighted this coming into Christianity. And so as even people either 
come from uh, an understanding of Christianity that's individualistic or if they come to Christ and they read in the cultural fabric, um, we need to create an atmosphere and a context where we're putting on display what does it really mean to pursue Christ's purpose. Pursuing Christ's purpose is just simply another way to say walking as a disciple of Jesus. If we could just distill that down, right? And so here's one thing for us to consider as we go into this time. And you guys have brought this up and alluded to this very clearly about the concept of intentionality. That's a, a reflection for us as we work through this is what does intentionality look like for your growth in Christ? Right. What does that look like? So in Philippians, it says he says, uh, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Right. So there's an there's an action that we are called to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But here's the thing, knowing that God is the one who is at work in you to work out his plan for you. Does that make sense? So there's a part where we in Christ are called to supplement our faith. Second Peter says this, supplement our faith with, and he gives a whole list of things. He says, if you're growing in these, then you, your life will be fruitful. If your life isn't fruitful and you're not growing, maybe you forgot what Jesus did for you and the purpose on which he's called you to. 